Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. for more. What am I made for? Time. Why do I spend so much time on things that mean so little? I'm not made to waste my time. What am I made for? Talent. Why am I using all my talent for personal gain? I'm not made to be selfish with my talent. What am I made for? Treasure. What do I gain by refusing to share? I'm not made to spend my treasure on myself. What am I made for? Potential. Why am I not breaking through to the next level? I'm not made to be complacent. I'm made for more. We're made for more. What is up, Freedom House? Happy Sunday. Glad that you guys are here. If you're tuning in online, welcome to you as well. I don't know about you guys, but I am so glad that this election is behind us. Amen. And I just want to reinforce what Pastor Troy was saying, that amidst all the change, amidst all the chaos that our country has has been facing, you know, there's one thing that's remained constant, and that's that God still sits on the throne. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful for that. I'm thankful that he is the constant amidst everything that we face. Well, I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. As Pastor Troy said, we're doing a bit of a campus swap. My husband, Matt, and I are from our South End campus way down yonder. And if I haven't uh, met you before, my name is Diana Henderson, and we just love what we get to do at Freedom House. We absolutely love it. Now, we are kicking off a new series this weekend called Made for More. So turn to your neighbor and say, I am made for more. And this series is all about us stepping into our potential in God, reaching the full potential that God sees for us. Anyone in here feel like you're made for more? All right. Anyone feel like there's a higher calling on your life? That's right. We got some people that are excited about that in here. Well, let me just say, a few years ago, I really felt like God was calling us higher. And Matt and I had just bought our first house. It was more than a few years. It was like 14 years ago. And the house came with a trampoline. Now, we didn't have kids at the time, so we decided that we were going to sell the trampoline on Craigslist. Now, that was before Facebook Marketplace, before the Craigslist killer. Like, it was a safe thing to do. Now... A family responded to our ad on Craigslist. They came to our house to pick up the trampoline, and while they were there, they said, hey, have y'all found a good church yet? And we were like, no, but funny you should ask. We're actually looking for one. And they said, you should come to Freedom House. So we waited a couple of weeks, but finally we went, and we walk in. It was in an elementary school gym at the time, and we felt the presence of God, like, instantly. 
Pastor Troy was speaking. It was an awesome worship set. It was just such a good day. And we were like, this is our home. Anyone else have that same experience at Freedom House? That's right. Well, so we'd been going for a couple of weeks, and we're like, well, gosh, it'd be sure nice to run into that family that invited us so we could take them to lunch and get to know them and thank them. And so we're in the lobby, and Pastor Troy and Penny came up to us and said, how did you hear about Freedom House? And we said, well, a family invited us, but we haven't seen them since we've come. Pastor Penny said, well, what's her name? I said, her name is Angel. And she goes, nope, nope, uh uh-uh. I said, what? She said, there's no one here by the name of Angel. Now, at the time, Freedom House was much smaller, so Pastor Troy and Penny knew every single person that was attending, literally. So I was like, well, maybe we just got it wrong. Maybe we, they, they invited us to a different church, and we ended up here. I'm going to go back to my emails, and I thought for sure I would just reach out to Angel from my email because we had exchanged emails through Craigslist. I go back to my email and the exchange is gone, literally deleted from my inbox. So we like to joke, but there's a lot of truth to it that an angel brought us to Freedom House. Now, I believe, that's right, I believe that that was actually God's interception. He allowed us to encounter the angelic because he wanted to get the Hendersons back on the path to the purpose that he had for our lives. Because had we not, we may have never stepped into our purpose. We may have never stepped into the calling of ministry on our lives. I am sure thankful that God did. So are you called for a bigger purpose? Are you made for more? I think that all of us are. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 1-4, for he chose us, God, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, Jesus In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. God has called all of us higher. His word says that his design was for us to be holy and blameless. God has called all of us higher. But what's this whole made for more thing about? Like what's the purpose of us living a life made for more? Well, the scripture tells us that too in Philippians 2.1, therefore, and we have learned that anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you better find out what is therefore, amen? If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, in other words, if you have benefited in any way from a relationship with Jesus Christ, then make my joy complete. It's God saying, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. We were made for more than just ourselves. We were made to serve and care for each other. Our purpose is to care for each other. So I want to talk today about five things. Five things 
for a life living for a made a life living made for more. Amen. And three of these things I believe are our responsibility. Two of them are where God steps in. Now, I would encourage you, if you're a note taker, to download the Freedom House app if you haven't yet. It has a really cool feature that allows you to track your notes by the sermon and the series. So you can download that in the App Store or you can text 77977, text the word Freedom House app, and it'll prompt you to do the download. All right, y'all ready? Five things. Living a life made for more. Number one, it's our availability, not our ability. It's our availability, not our ability. I know that some of y'all are thinking the same thing that I was. How in the world can God use me? I don't have anything special. How can God use me? In fact, in my BC days, I think there was a lot that God couldn't use versus what God could use. But here's the thing. It's not about our skills. It's not about our qualifications. It's not about our experiences. God will use us right where we are. 1 Corinthians 1.26, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. In other words, the scripture is saying that before any of us were called, we were nothing. We were insignificant in comparison to who God is. And you know what I love about the Bible? It is a whole slew of stories about God using unqualified people to achieve his purpose. Amen? Just look at the disciples. Paul, before he had a major collision with Jesus, he was executing Christians. How about Peter? Man, the dude could not keep his mouth shut, right? He often spoke before his noggin would operate. The Bible is full of those examples. I don't know about you, but that's refreshing to me. When I first started walking with God, I felt completely ill-equipped. And then when he called me to preach the gospel, I was like, um, God, remember, I have not been to Bible school. I didn't go to seminary. How in the world can I be a pastor? But that's when God said, it's not about your ability. It's about your availability. In other words, it's not about the skills you possess. It's about your yes. It's about your yes. Just think about that. Your yes to God could unlock your destiny. Let me give you a couple of examples. A couple of weeks ago, I was at church, and it was during worship service, or during the worship, and I was just praising my king. And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit say, hey, go pray for that woman on the front row. I walk over to this woman, and I said, hey, I have a word for you from God. Can I pray for you? And I started praying and just declaring God's promises and just reminding her, that God had not left her side, tears streaming down her cheeks. After service, she came up to me and she said, I just want you to know that right before you came up to me, I was dialoguing with God. And I said, God, if you are truly chasing after me, like all of these people say, then I need a sign. I need some way to know that you are here 
Send Pastor Diana over here to pray for me. Talk about specific, right? Or a couple of weeks ago, I was cooking dinner, and I had, like, chicken goop all over my hands. It was gross. Y'all know what that's like, right? And I heard the Holy Spirit, Diana, send a text message to Sally, this woman that I was discipling. And I was like, um, can it wait 10 minutes? I got chicken goop on my hands. And the Holy Spirit said, you got Siri, don't you? You don't need your hands. I was like, okay. So I voice texted and sent a message to Sally, and she responded back and said, your timing is impeccable. I needed that right now. And I said, no, God's timing is impeccable. When we make ourselves available, God will use us in radical ways. But are we available to God? Are we available? 1 Peter 4.10, each of us should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. God will use our yes every single time. And for each of that, us, that looks different. But I just want to encourage you, when you make yourself available, God will do incredible things. Number two, living a life made for more, be prepared for purpose. Be prepared for purpose. There's a woman in the Bible by the name of Esther. Some of you know all about Esther's story. But I want to share a little bit of cultural context as to what was happening in the time of Esther's coming into her purpose in God. You see, there was a king by the name of Xerxes, and he was the king of the Persian Empire. And he had just thrown this six-month-long, like, wild party. Like, this is, like, off the hook, like some of the parties that some of us attended in college, right? And he decides he's going to wind down this six-month party with a seven-day party, and there's, like, beverages of all sorts, like food, and King Xerxes is a little intoxicated, And he calls his wife, Queen Vashti, to come out and display her beauty before all his boys. And she's like, nope, I will not do that. Now, King Xerxes did not like to be told no. So he responds by issuing a nationwide decree where all women had to obey their husbands. And then his attendants on his court, yeah, amen, so you say. (laughs) Ladies, we got to respond to that. How about another big, nope, (laughs) I'm teasing. So King Xerxes, his attendants are like, oh, you got to go one step further. You got to punish Queen Vashti for what she's done. So then King Xerxes issues this uh, X-rated beauty contest where he takes all the virgins in the land and he's going to survey them and figure out who's going to take over for Queen Vashti. Now, Esther was one of those virgins, and the Bible says that she gained favor with King Xerxes. Esther 2, verse 17. Now, the king was attracted to Esther more than any, other, of any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So, he set a crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now, amidst all of this, this there's an evil man by the name of Haman, And he's got this plot to kill off all the Jews. Here's the ticket. Esther was a Jew. 
but it wasn't a known fact. Even her husband, the king, didn't know that Esther was a Jew. But God was calling her to do something big. Esther learns about this evil man Haman's plan to kill off the Jews. And he uses her cousin Mordecai to give her a big old love shove. Y'all know what a love shove is? It's a phrase that we like to use at Freedom House. When somebody will just shove you in love right up to the edge or even past your boundaries of your comfort zone to get you to step into your purpose. Anyone been love shoved before? I know I was. So Mordecai love shoves Esther in verse 14. For if you remain silent at this time, Esther, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. In this moment, Esther realizes that God had a purpose, that he was going to use her in a mighty way. And you know what she did? She didn't run. She stopped denying. She stopped making excuses. And she decided that she was going to step into the very purpose that God had for her. So she was successful in persuading the king to reverse Haman's plan, and she saves the nation of her Jewish people. Esther stepped into the purpose that God had for her. What's your purpose? I think as Christians, as believers, our purpose is really simple. It's to point people back to Jesus Christ. It's to encourage them. It's to edify them in their walk so that they will always go back to Jesus as their Lord. Maybe you don't know what your purpose is. That's okay. I want to love shove you today. And I want to give you a challenge. Right after service, I want you to go talk to our trusted leaders right at Guest Central. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, I have a place for you to serve at Freedom House, for you to use your gifts to serve the kingdom. Can I just tell you, it changed my life. It changed Matt's life. And I want you to experience that same life change. Y'all accepting of this challenge? All right. We've got an opportunity to be prepared for purpose. Number three, living a life made for more, be ready with an answer. Be ready with an answer. You know, I always pray that there would be this undeniable change in each one of us who claim Jesus, that the world around us would go, what is it that you have? Because I want some of that. You know, in like the way that we handle struggles differently than those around us, Or maybe the way that we handle people in love differently than those around us. Those characteristics, those differences in us, those are Jesus, right? And I think we have an opportunity when people say, what is that thing in you for us to give credit where credit is due? For us to give glory back to Jesus and say, well, I had life change. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mr. Jesus Christ. You know, a couple of years ago, um, I was serving under a CEO at my company. I was running revenue generation. And my CEO calls me and he said, Diana, I'm going to need you to call down the budget. I've been watching the market and I just feel like we're going to experience some decrease. So I need you to go ahead and be proactive and just reduce the budget. And I was like, "Um, no, sir. And he said, excuse me? I was like, "With, with all due respect, I can't do that because I have been praying for growth. 
over our business. I've been praying for growth in our revenue. I've been praying for growth in our profits. I can't do the very opposite thing of what I've been praying for. And my CEO's like, whatever. Now, a couple weeks later, I go back to that CEO and I said, hey, I just wanted you to know I've been getting phone calls from our customers and their need for our products and our services have increased. Not only are we going to hit that revenue target that we were planning for, but we are now going to exceed it because of Jesus, my king. And he was like, okay, that praying thing you've been doing, keep doing that. Be ready with an answer. 1 Peter 3.15 says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are we prepared with an answer? I think we all have that opportunity. It looks different for each of us, but maybe for some of us, that's our testimony. We experience life change, and the people around us are like, what happened? You were hanging out with me at the nightclub, and now you're hanging out at church? Like, what, what's going on? We have an opportunity to share our testimony. We're called to be in this world, but not of this world. Amen? 1 Corinthians 7, 17 says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God called them. We are to be ready with an answer. I want to share just one more quick story. A couple of weeks ago, my dad was having heart attack symptoms. And he has had several heart attacks, so he knows when these symptoms come on what's happening. So he hops in his car to drive himself to the ER, like a little bullheaded. But he calls us, and we just started praying. We just started praying in the spirit and declaring that God would just have his way and heal my dad. My dad gets to the hospital. They run all sorts of tests, the EKG, and they're like, um, sir, nothing is wrong with you. Every, everything is fine. And they sent him home. And my dad calls me and he's like, I, I, I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that I went to the hospital with these symptoms. And right in that moment, the Holy Spirit drops in my heart and says, you need to tell your dad that he was having a heart attack. But when you started praying in the spirit, you intercepted the very weapon that the enemy had planned for him and instead reversed it to be a heavenly victory. Isn't that amazing? But here's the kicker. I've had an opportunity to share that story several times since then. Now, I could have said, oh, yeah, my dad was having heart attack symptoms, but, you know, all good, he's fine. No. I decided I was going to make sure to give God credit and glory for that every single time. We've got to be ready with an answer. Y'all with me today? Number four, this is where God kicks in. I love it. Living a life made for more, God supplies from his surplus. God supplies from surplus. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He will supply everything. You know, sometimes I think that we will have this need or desire and we're like, oh, that's just too audacious for God. I can't ask God for that. That is selfish. Well, let me just tell you, our God does not scrape the bottom of the barrel when he blesses us. He provides us with abundance because he provides from his riches. Amen? 
You know, recently I was praying and God was just teaching me this and reminding me that what he has far exceeds our need. And he started to, to show me this graph. Now, clearly this came from God because um, I failed econ in college. So this is a supply and demand graph. This is definitely from God. So he said on the y-axis is his supply. Sorry, my handwriting is absolutely awful. And the scale of his axis is infinity. It's infinite. He can provide us of abundance, right? Now, on the x-axis, God showed me this is our demand. These are our needs, our desires, our prayers, our asks. And here's the thing. When we have a need or a desire and we go to God, let's say it's a spouse. Maybe we're believing for a spouse and we're like, I'm going to be really specific. I want the spouse to be tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> and we're like, man, that, that might break the bank. That might have God go, whoa. And it gets plotted on God's graph. Beep. Y'all see that? Tiny, right? We thought that was a big ask. And then we're like, God, I'm believing for that European vacation. It's something in my heart. You placed it on my heart. I would just love to be able to do that. But that's going to break the bank. And we plot that on the graph, and it's like, boop. You see that slight increase? My point is here. We go to God, and we're asking of him these things that we believe are huge in nature, and it doesn't even touch the capacity of what God has for us. Amen? Some of us have been withholding our asks because we believe it's too much for him. But let me just tell you, his supply is infinite, and he wants to provide for you out of his abundance. Somebody in here needed to hear that today. It's like if Bill Gates were to call you today and say, what can I help you with? How can I, how can I meet your needs? And we're like, um, could you take care of my lunch bill? And he's like, uh, is that it? Are we challenging God in the way that he wants to provide for us? Now, here's what's amazing, right? God supplies not only for our need, but he goes above and beyond. But why does he do that? Surely there's a purpose. Well, let's read in the scripture, 2 Corinthians 9.10. Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower, that's us, and bread for food will also. Everybody say also. also. I'm going to need you to say one more time. Also. He will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You know, the author of this scripture was Paul, and he was speaking to the Corinthian church, and he was teaching them about generosity. Now, I believe that this is a word for us today. I believe that this is a word for us to learn how to be generous. Now, that scripture specifically is saying that God will increase our store so that we can multiply the harvest. You know what the harvest is? Life change, people coming to know Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want as much of that as possible. Now, generosity is something kind of interesting because some of us naturally have it. In fact, when Matt and I go out to dinner with people, we can tell who's generous because they're reaching for the check before we even have an opportunity to. Some of us are generous. The rest of us have to practice. 
I'm going to say that again. Make sure you got that. Some of us are generous, and the rest of us have to practice. You see, our God supplies in surplus. We're made in his image. Therefore, we are called to be generous. Amen? So how do we practice? If generosity is not something that comes naturally, let me give you some practical tips. When you go out to a restaurant, tip your server 25% instead of 15%. When you go to Chick-fil-A and you're ordering your Jesus nuggets, go ahead and buy the person behind you's meal too. Or put a couple gift cards in your neighbor's mailboxes. I can promise you that your intentional acts of generosity will become habits. We have an opportunity to be generous because God supplies of his surplus. Number five, last one, living a life made for more. God equips the called. He equips the called. There's a a man in the Bible by the name of Gideon. And God wanted to do something really radical using Gideon. But Gideon felt unqualified to say the least. Not just his feelings, but technically in rank and file, his tribe was pretty low on the totem pole. So he technically was unqualified. But God said, nope, I'm gonna use you, Gideon. I'm gonna use you to defeat the Midianite army. So Gideon gathers a group of soldiers, his army, 32,000 men. Not too shabby, huh? And God goes, nope, too many. Thin your herd. So Gideon does a couple of times, thins his herd down to a group of 300 soldiers. Now, I am not good at math, but I think that that's like less than 1% of what he started with, right? Now, to top it off, God's like, I'm going to equip you with some fierce weapons. And he gives them some trumpets and some mason jars. What? I got 300 men, some instruments, and some mason jars, and I have to go to battle? You know, here's Gideon, and they're looking over at the enemy camp. The Bible says that the enemy army was thick as locusts. Can you imagine what he felt like? He probably felt a little ill-equipped, to say the least. Now, Judges 7, 9, during that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. In other words, it doesn't matter what you got, because I got you. It doesn't matter what you got because I got you. I think that's a word for someone today. So what happens? Gideon and his troops, they sound the trumpets, they smash the jars, and God causes the enemy army to get confused. And they turned on each other, and they basically killed each other. So Gideon and his army achieved a victory. This ill-equipped, inadequate Gideon with less than comparable weapons, a less than comparable army size, God showed up. I think God wants to do that for us today. 
Maybe you're in here and you're going, you know what? I feel like God is calling me to that position at work that will allow me to have influence, but I don't have any of the qualifications. That's okay. When God calls you, he equips you. Maybe you're in here and you're saying, I feel like God is calling me to start a business, something that's really going to do radical things for the kingdom of God, but I have never been an entrepreneur. That's okay. If God is calling you to it, he will equip you. Maybe you're in here and you feel like God is calling you to speak his word, to really be bold in teaching others about his gospel, but you're going, I don't even know the Bible that well. That's okay. If he's calling you to it, he will equip you. Amen. Will you all just stand to your feet? I just want to take a moment in here because I think we are all made for more. I think we are all called to a higher calling, a higher purpose that's beyond ourselves. And I think we have an opportunity to step into that today. Will you just close your eyes and bow your heads just right where you are? First things first, if you're in here and you haven't yet made Jesus Lord and Savior, that's where all of this stuff comes true. We're available and he shows up preparing for a purpose, allowing him to radically move. That's how Jesus works. If you're in here and you haven't yet made him Lord and Savior, I just want to give you that opportunity right now. It will be the best decision you've made in your entire life. If that's you, will you just lift your hand so I can pray with you? No one's looking around. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're in here and something about this message just stirred you. Maybe you haven't made yourself available to be used by God. That's okay. You've got that chance now. Maybe you're holding back from stepping into all that God has for you. And you're ready to say, you know what? That's gone. I want God to use me in a way to impact his kingdom. If that's you in here today, I just want to pray for you. If you're ready to be used fully and step fully into the purpose that God has for you, will you just lift your hand right now so I can pray for you? Thank you, Jesus. Hands up all over the room. You are good, God. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I just want to lead all of us in a prayer. Church, if you'll just join in, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you never leave our side. Thank you that you made us for more. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross so that I could have eternity with you. Today I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he rose from the dead. And today I declare Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. 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 Come on, church. Give give it up for God. Make some noise this morning. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House 
and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.